Before we get started on today's show, I'd like to give a special shout out to my guy, Bobby Allen, who produced the new beat for the All the Hype podcast. Thanks again, Bobby. Go check him out on Instagram at Bobby Allen. That's B X B B Y A L L E N. On YouTube, SoundCloud, and BeatStars for his latest beats and music. Now, let's get started with this week's show. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the All the Hype podcast. I apologize for not having an episode up this last week. I had a ton of things going on, but as always, we bounce back. And this week, I have a great guest joining the show, sports columnist for Mercury News and the Barrier News Group, here to discuss the Golden State Warriors with me. Please welcome Dieter Kurdenbeck. How are you, my man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate, uh, appreciate the invite, for sure. I really appreciate you coming on the show with such short notice. I've followed you on Twitter for a while now, heard you as a guest on a couple of podcasts before, and I've been a big fan of your writing over at the Mercury News. I sent Dieter a message the day before we recorded this show, and he was more than willing and more than ready to talk some dubs hoop with me right away. But before we get started on talking basketball, I'd like you to share a little bit about yourself and what it is you do over at Mercury, how you got your job, just a little introduction for the listeners that might not know who you are right now. <laughs> how much time you got? Um, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been an interesting thing. I, I've, been with, I've been around the Warriors now uh, since 2014. I got in at the absolute perfect time. Maybe a year before would have been a little bit better. They were pretty good that year too. But um, I, I showed up uh, a couple of weeks after the season started in 2014 here in the Bay Area after uh, living down in South Florida. Uh, grew up in Chicago, went to Missouri. We could get into all that crap later. Um, but it started working for KNBR uh, around November 2014 as a, as a website writer. And there was no rhyme or reason as to what it was I was supposed to be doing. So I figured, well, I might as well go to some games. Uh, the Giants and the Niners were hot in the streets that time, uh, but they were both clearly uh, not going to continue their winning ways at that <laughs> juncture. And also they didn't have games at that juncture. It was November, right? Like uh, Jim Harbaugh got fired. I didn't know what else to do. Uh, so I was just like, well, I got to fill these week weekdays with something. So Warriors it is. Uh, and I just remember the very first game that I went to, uh, in person at Oracle, just thinking, this is it. This is, this is everything. This is, this was the greatest basketball team I've ever seen. They were playing like, you know, the Kings or something. And I'm like, this is the greatest basketball team I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I just remember thinking that the entire game had changed. Uh, and I knew about Steph Curry. I knew about Clay Thompson, but until you had been in that arena and it experienced just those vibes. I know that that's an overused term these days, but they, I mean, they were, you want to talk about vibes. I mean, that, that place, the entire thing was vibing for four straight hours for a two hour and 30 minute game. And I just remember thinking that that was as special a sporting event as I had ever been to as, as totally inconsequential as it might've seemed to anybody else, but, but being, you know, from Chicago, not knowing any better coming across the country uh, I'd covered, you know, in part the LeBron heat years, and it, it wasn't as special as that. It wasn't as special as that. And I just remember at that very moment, um, I remember texting my dad. It was like, how you doing? You just moved across the country. You got, you don't know anybody out there. How you doing? And I just go, I'm doing fine because 
as weird as this sounds, I, I, these Golden State Warriors are going to take care of me. I don't need to worry about content. This is something special. I'm passionate about it. Uh, I, I'm all in. I'm all in. And uh, being all in on the Golden State Warriors has been very, very good to me. Uh, it has been it has been nothing. So I, you know, I, I've never been a beat writer, always been a columnist in this space, first for KMBR. Then I got hired as a national columnist, Fox Sports, which Fun. I'm telling you, that's how that's how good the Warriors were to me. Yeah. Within about a year of uh, of that, I get hired as a national columnist at Fox Sports, uh, making you know like five x what I was making. <laughs> KMBR was incredible. Uh, I still have no idea. How I got so lucky, and. What what was what what did I write about? I wrote about the Warriors, man. Like what else was there to write about? And yeah. so, and I rode that train, and then the Fox Sports thing blew up. Not because we weren't killing it, we were, but you know, it's TV. There are other factors in play. Yeah. And I come back here, and it's like, man, what am I going to do? And I worked for the Athletic for a little bit when it first started up. I was covering the Raiders. I quickly realized that the Raiders did not have the same vibes <laughs> as the Warriors. And uh, got myself in some trouble with Raiders fans, so didn't tread lightly in that regard. And then uh, I get hired over at the Merck, man. And what have I been writing about? I've been writing about the Warriors. And so a lot of folks out there write about the Warriors from this analytical perspective. And, uh, and a lot of so many people do such great work with it. And I'm very lucky to be on a competitive you know, a competitive beat um, and to, to be surrounded by so many incredibly talented people. Um, and, and, and also, you know, one or two scrubs, but uh, it's, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people um, I see on Twitter in particular complain about uh, not holding, you know, the feet to the fire of the organization, the fans, particularly this year. Right. And I've just come to Jesus with, with the terms that um, as much as I am willing to call out the organization and have been for a long time now, uh, I'm, I will not pull punches whatsoever. I'm also a fan of this Warriors team. Like I care deeply about this Warriors team. And in particular, I care deeply about the, the Draymond Green, Steph Curry duo. And um, right now, I, I, I've been building up to this for the last couple of weeks because it's been something that weighs on my mind a lot of hours of every day. Uh, and yesterday I just flat out said it i mean they're taking steph curry for granted and they're gonna waste they're gonna waste this once in a lifetime player man i mean more than a lifetime once in a franchise if not for wilt chamberlain you would say the greatest player ever but i I still think the greatest player ever i think he's one of the greatest players in the history of the nba uh you you ever almost put these qualifiers on it like People won't realize, and I believe this is Draymond Green to a certain degree too on the defensive side. People won't realize it until they're long gone how important both of those guys were to the sport overall. And um, for Steph Curry to be doing what he's doing at age 33 is flabbergasting. And, uh, you know, Blake Griffin, right, got bought out today. He's in mm-hmm. his age 33 season. Kind of puts in Even perspective how there. crazy, yeah, how crazy Steph's year is. And, for this team to not even be remotely close to competing for a championship when they have a player as incredible as Steph Curry playing as incredibly as he is, is organizational malpractice. And while I can understand it, honestly, it's good for business. If the Warriors remain relevant, just steady and relevant, always right. the fifth seed for as long as possible. I don't get, I'm sorry, I'm going to curse here. I don't give a shit. Because you're waste if you waste uh, any 
any moment you have with Steph Curry, you're just kicking the fans in the teeth. You're kicking Steph Curry in the teeth and Steph Curry is that organization. So I've just come to terms with it. You know, you try to stay impartial. You try to not be biased. I, I don't, you know, Steph and I don't have a relationship, you know, we've right. talked enough, but like, it's not like Steph's like, not like me and Marcus Thompson where Steph's <laughs> inviting him over to the house and stuff. And that, yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't take the way Marcus writes in any way, shape or form. Cause he's the professional, of the highest order. But like, it's one of these things where you know, I, I stay removed from the situation on purpose. Um, and maybe, you know, they, they stay removed from me on purpose too. But uh, it's one of these things where man, like you have to understand how special and unique and incredible this is. And my entire journey up until this point is testament to that. Some schlub has been able to ride these coattails to some pretty good spots and um, to, you know, just lock in mediocrity after all that, that doesn't sit well with me. And I'm going to continue to write and talk about it until something changes or we all just concede that the battle has been lost. Right. Yeah. I think you hit it right on the head in terms of, you know, the organization as a whole isn't appreciating Curry and, you know, we see it in every way from the way the roster itself was put together from draft picks that have not come to fruition whatsoever. It's yeah. it's almost like they're in this spot where they want to compete, but they're not good enough to compete for titles. But they have Steph, they have Draymond, so they're going to stay relevant enough. They're in this weird area like the Spurs, for example, you know, where mm-hmm. they they kind of had that David Robinson era. They draft Tim Duncan, and now they're just kind of middling in that middle part of the Western Conference. So right. I, I think they don't know what exactly it is they want to do. And that's been one of my biggest issues with Steve Kerr and the organizations is that they're not chasing wins, yet they have, you know, one of the two or three best players in the league, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. I'll say this for Kerr. Uh, I don't think he's doing a bad job. I think he gets a lot of the the rap for the front office's mistakes because he's the guy on the sidelines. And honestly, right. he has a very ideology. He has an ideology on how he wants to coach. And, um, you know, it's not as if he doesn't have input into the roster, but it's not his roster. It's Bob Myers and the Lake of Boys roster. And uh, it's even more the Lake of Boys roster than anything else. Yeah. Um, before you go on, um, I, I'm not exactly pinning it on Kerr or saying that it's ultimately his fault because you're right. It is the Lake Cup boys that put the, the roster together. It is Bob Myers. Um, obviously, Kerr does have a little bit of say in the roster moves, but ultimately it is up to those other people. But my point about him being um, – or one of my issues with Kerr being that he, I feel like, hasn't played to this team's strengths. You know, we have Steph Curry running around playing off of 27 screens, setting back screens for centers that can't catch the ball. And and I think when when we watch some of these games, for example, this last Blazers game, at the very end of the game, Dame took over. We saw that Terry Stotts, let him do what he needed to do. He went ISO. He put Kent Bazemore on an island, and he went to work. And we all knew he was going to make that shot. I wasn't surprised that he hit that shot. I don't think anyone was. But that's my issue, that if Damian Lillard was four of 
15 or 16 by the time you know the last five minutes of the game were going on why can't we give Steph that same opportunity instead of running this complex motion offense that has everyone running all over the place why don't you give him a chance to go iso a few times you know we were doubling Dame the whole time and then the one time we decide not to double because he called an iso is how we lost the game obviously there was other chances in the game where we could have put it away and that's on Steph that's on every other player but still like Steph was cooking that game he had you know 35 he didn't play that well in the third quarter but nonetheless he had 35 points he was I think better than Dame up until that last you know stretch of five minutes or whatever but that's my issue in in the sense that we're we aren't giving Curry the best the best chance to succeed. We're not putting him in a position where he can completely go to work. And if if we really wanted to, if Seth really wanted to, I don't think anyone has any doubt in their mind that he could average 40 points a game. And that's not what we're trying to do necessarily. You know, we're not trying to make them play like the Rockets or anything like that. But we are in a position where we have this transcendent talent in Steph Curry and we want to put him in a position to carry us into where into as far as he can carry us. When you have a player like that, you know the sky's the limit. Just put the good players around him. Pinning it all on Kerr is kind of a fundamental misunderstanding. There was an interesting stat that flew around today from Andy Bailey. Warriors point differential with Curry on the floor is around the age of a 48-win team. Yeah. Right. And that's 82 game regular season. So that's a, a playoff team. That's a, maybe even um, depending on the year, a team that can get, you know, home court advantage in the first round without him on the floor. There are 15 win team. Ridiculous. Anyone who's watched knows exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. I got asked a question. I do a mailbag column every Friday. I got asked the question, how many NBA players does this Warriors team actually have? And you go, okay. Well, you run through it. And then you realize Six, like, seven. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think a lot of, you know, I'm maybe giving Juan Toscano Anderson more credit than he deserves, but like Eric Pascal isn't a guaranteed NBA player. Absolutely. Um, we, we think about, you know, back in the day, old Jordan Poole, past considerations, what a steal. Jordan Poole's playing for Canton Charge right now, my friend. Um, it's, you know, especially guys off the bench. I don't know how big of a baseball guy you are, but they're a lot like relief pitchers. And I don't care if you have one pitch. If that one pitch keeps getting guys out, so be it. Keep throwing the pitch. Right. You have a lot of pitches and you get guys out, throw a bunch of pitches, but you got to get guys out. And with a bench guy, most of the time it's, you got probably two pitches. They're pretty good and you can throw them and you can mix and match them and you can get guys out. Uh, Jamal Crawford had one pitch. It was a great pitch. He could make buckets. That's all he did. Didn't do any, I mean, he deliberately didn't do anything else, but that guy got buckets Montrez Harrell same thing he gets buckets he runs the floor too so maybe it's two pitches maybe he has a change up in there what's Eric Pascal? because it ain't his jump shot that thing is nasty that thing is broke and it ain't getting fixed anytime soon the more he tries to fix it the worse it gets it's like a Lonzo Ball situation out here right and so worse yeah Markel Fultz I mean I don't know he's like I'm gonna jump less I'm gonna jump more it's like I don't know if jumping is the issue my friend but he's now doing this bully ball center thing and it seems as if the book is out on him. It seems as if everybody knows where he's going to throw that fastball and how to hit it. Just, well, just wait for him to do this and then you can do it. If he loses that, he's not an NBA player. Mm-hmm. And here's how, I, here's how I judge NBA players. 
If the Warriors were to drop him, would that guy immediately get into the rotation and play somewhere else? Probably not. How many guys, how many guys are out there that are like that? We're giving Wiseman the benefit of the doubt because, you know, listen, he's 19 years old. He's been getting – I feel bad for the kid. I mean, this is just a ridiculous situation. He's 19 years old. No one should be put in a, a scenario this fraught and having to learn on the fly with a team that has Steph Curry. Like, what a ridiculous, unfair scenario this is for him. But, like, he's an, he's an NBA talent without question. You know Draymond is. Wiggins, we, we can go on and on about the issues that we have with Wiggins, but he's an NBA caliber defender, and he sure as hell an NBA caliber player. We know Steph Curry. I'm not sure if this is breaking news, but Steph Curry's an NBA caliber <laughs> player. Um, but then you get into the bench, man, and it's like people blowing their minds about Jordan Poole last night. We've done this before. I'm not saying it won't be different this time. I don't know. He deserves the opportunity to, for us to find out. Right. But, like, Jordan Poole's had good games. He's also played in the NBA for 72, and the vast majority of those 72 games indicate something very different. So I don't know if he's a player. I don't know if Nico Mannion can do it. He's 19. He deserves some runway. And he'll figure it out. But, like, I don't know if he's a player. Alan Smiley, I don't know if he's a player. I don't know if Brad Wanamaker is an NBA caliber player anymore. I don't know. I mean, Kevin Bazemore probably is. He yeah. probably is. But he's on the minimum for a reason. Juan Toscano Anderson, I honestly think, probably is. Just because he brings energy, I think Bob Fitzgerald, who you know, I, I've been very critical of, but like he made a good point in the broadcast last night. Like, it's not easy to go out there and play hard every night. At least he does that. He'll rebound for you. He'll guard four positions and he'll knock down a shot. Like, it's not a very high bar, but given this Warriors roster, it actually kind of is. And again, it just kind of goes back to the malpractice of it. This that you're right. Where would the Warriors be without Steph Curry? Last place, no every question year. about it. Yeah. Every year. And that's with Draymond. I don't even care if Clay's playing. They'd be in last place, man. And, uh, and, and and so for for you to be, you know, in this situation that the Warriors are, where they're kind of right there, they're kind of right there. And I'm looking at a Western Conference, man. I'm seeing the, you know, the, the Lakers don't aren't aren't the same. They just aren't the same. Now the Warriors would disagree because they got their asses kicked by them the other night. But like, <laughs> the Lakers aren't the same without Davis. And I don't know if Davis is ever coming back. I really don't. That Achilles thing is bad. It's bad, bad, bad news. If he comes back, can he stay back? I don't know. Uh, no one knows. So I'm seeing that as a wide open possibility. They're certainly not a juggernaut. I'm seeing the Clippers losing three straight games going into the break. They don't have a point guard. They don't have anybody to hold them together. I like Phoenix. I've been very high on Phoenix the entire year. I've been making really good money off of Phoenix as of late <laughs> on certain on certain applications on my phone. But you're telling me that Phoenix is a real title contender? Get the hell out of here. And then the Utah Jazz are going to run into the same crap that they run into every year where Rudy Gobert gets played off the floor and Donovan Mitchell thinks that he's an efficient scorer when he's not. He's not. Uh, and, and they're going to run into that same issue. They might get a little further this year in the playoffs because they got good players around those guys, but those are their guys, and those are the guys who are going to bring their problems. I'm looking at the Western Conference, and I'm saying, why can't Portland Trailblazers why the Portland Trailblazers have no reason to be good, man. They have no reason to be good. They have Dane Lillard. Well, I'm looking at Steph Curry. I don't let's just say for the sake of argument, those guys are equal. I don't want to get into that conversation. Let's just say for the sake of argument, those guys are equal. Why aren't the Warriors as good as the Blazers? Why aren't they? That's just unacceptable to me. And uh, the Blazers are never winning a championship. Whereas you give this Warriors team a chance come playoff time, they have the championship DNA, but you've got to put together a regular season team capable of getting them actually into the tournament. Because right now they're going to be playing in a different tournament, play in one. And uh, I, I don't want to be any part of a single elimination game. I don't want to be playing the, the Dayton, Ohio prelims for the NCAA NBA version. Like get the oh, hell it takes out of here. One, one bad Steph Curry game and you're out without even it takes, getting it a takes chance. A, 
takes a quarter of a twisted ankle. It takes one guy yeah. deciding that he wants to go thermonuclear. It takes, you know, I don't know who they play, but like everybody's dangerous. It might just be a bad matchup one night. It might be, oh, Draymond's got the sniffles or he doesn't have it that night or you get in foul trouble early. One game, we've seen how crazy seven game series can be. Warriors going down 2-1. Warriors, you know, teams coming back from 3-0. Leaving, that's leaving stuff up to chance. Right. And you have Steph Curry. You have the MVP of the National Basketball Association doing things that even he's never done before, playing at levels that no one has ever done before. And uh, actually, I say he's the MVP. I think Embiid, who is actually going 40, 50, 90 <laughs> or something like that, is the center for the Sixers, is, is probably the MVP. But nevertheless, like he's playing at the 2016 MVP level, unanimous MVP level. He's even better than that. He's carrying this team, and he can only get them to 500 because they're not helping him out. And I don't care about next year. I grew up in Chicago, man. I'm a White Sox fan through and through, but I was around enough Cubs fans to know that wait until next year is something bad teams tell to their stupid fans. Right. And the Warriors fans ain't stupid. And I know this Warriors team shouldn't be this bad. Yeah, I keep hearing things about, oh, well, we just have to wait till next year when Clay comes back, when Clay comes back. But it's like... And sit Curry's ass on the bench for this. Yeah, exactly. And Clay's coming off two catastrophic injuries. Like, yes. We have no idea if he's going to be even remotely close to what he was uh, yeah. when he got hurt in the 2019 finals. And then obviously now he has the Achilles problem. So that in itself, you're probably looking at minutes restriction. He's obviously not going to be guarding the, you know, the best perimeter player anymore. Yeah. And so they're basically telling us as Warriors fans, as basketball fans, to wait till an injured Clay Thompson comes back. And that's supposed to put us over the hump. You could argue maybe this year with just the ACL injury, all the reports were said that, you know, he was fine, that his rehab went well, and that he was ready to hoop. But now it's on opposite legs. We don't know the repercussions of two catastrophic injuries like that. We're basically saying, yes, the Warriors' chances are going to hinge on Clay Thompson's health when we don't know how that's going to affect future injuries, his lateral quickness, his explosiveness, you know, he's always been a spot up shooter, never, you know, want to go off the dribble or anything like that. But still, we don't know the mechanics of it. We don't know how it's going to affect his jump shot or anything like that. And I think it's almost disrespectful to Steph and even to Clay to some degree that we're going to hinge all this pressure on him and have Steph play with a teammate that's not going to be 100%. And we basically have to wait for him to defy the, the logic of medicine and science as we've seen it to this day and come back from these terrible injuries and just play like nothing ever happened. That's what the organization seems to be telling me. And that's what I get out of everything that they're saying. All of that gave us obviously Wiseman at this point, but it seems like the timelines don't fit. You know, you have aging Steph mm -hmm. Curry at 33, and then you, you have this 19 year old who might have all the tools to be a superstar eventually. But at right. that time, you know, Steph might be 38 years old and a six man coming off the bench, maybe, you know, so we have no idea. We have no idea what Steph. I mean, there's never been a player like Steph, so I don't know how this is supposed to go. He might be Tom Brady. 
Um, I don't know. I don't know. Likelihood is probably not. Uh, And, you know, let's just take it even beyond Steph because Steph is the ultimate wild card. We don't know. I mean, Clay's never going to be the same Clay. Even if he gets back to, you know, as close to 100% as possible, it's still less than. And he's still a player who, you know, his window of viability has been significantly shortened by these injuries. Even if it doesn't have an initial effect now, down the line, this is going to make it really difficult for him to play into his late 30s. it's just the fact of the matter. LeBron's never had a catastrophic injury like this. LeBron sleeps in hyperbaric chambers, maybe yeah. to make sure that he doesn't. Yeah. Slay, Clay sleeps on his boat. Like that's just it, this is this is not a knock on Clay in any way, shape, or form. But it, you know, it's different beasts. And um, you know, and then we're seeing currently the deterioration of Draymond. Right? Like right. Draymond is not at his peak anymore. He's on the downslope of his peak. Mm-hmm. So that's your core. Those are your three guys. Those are guys who brought you three championships. And yes, Kevin Durant had a lot to do with it. Don't get me wrong. But I also was there when they were in Portland and they swept the Blazers off the floor in four games with that incident without Kevin Durant. I was there. I was there. I was there for all of it. I saw all of it. This team has something special. Those three guys in particular have something special. I'll be, I'll be even blunter than that. Those two guys, Draymond and Steph, have something that you cannot replicate and that you will look your entire basketball lives to find and get on one team together. So to waste a year of Steph Curry's prime so that Clay Thompson can come back, like you have the money, you have the meat, you have the assets. I'm not saying do anything stupid. I'm not saying do anything rash. I'm not saying overpay by much, but I got an idea, man. Maybe don't concede the Western conference today. Maybe think to yourself, I'll give this to Steve Kerr. You know, when he says we're not chasing wins, the context is important in that. He said, we're not chasing wins. We're not going to play Steph Curry 43, 44 minutes a night so that we can win a regular season game. It, of course, has now become this bigger thing. And it's fair that it's become, it's a little bit fair that it's become this bigger thing because the entire ethos of this team is apparently bad. We're not chasing wins, including postseason wins. We're not, once we get into the tournament, we're not going to find out. They know, no one who watches basketball can watch this team and think this team has a chance to win a title. And any anything that they do will be because Steph and Draymond drag them as far as they can. But even those two guys, as incredible as they are, can't get them over the hump. They're just not good enough. This roster is not good enough. And there are moves that this team can make uh, you know, I, I don't know if they're you know on the table, say yes or no, but there's phone calls that can be, this roster can get better. This roster can get better mid season. It will cost money. There's no doubt about it, but it can get better this season. And uh, it, it's my stance entirely. You know, you're totally right with the two different time frames. James Wiseman is 19 years old. He's a center. You know, last night we're watching Deandre Ayton. Pretty darn good player, right? He's a good player. It's been three years. It takes time. It takes a lot of mistakes. James Wiseman's 19 years old. You can see how visibly frustrated he was at the end of the game because you have to learn through mistakes, man. And it sucks when your mistakes hurt a team's chances of winning. Most of the time, you're the number two overall pick. You're on a team that sucks. Yeah. And I I mean, as much as I've been saying the Warriors suck, it's like you're (laughs) on a team that really sucks, that has no chance. They couldn't even get wins if they were chasing them. Yeah. And so it's, you know, he's in, he's in a rough spot, but I can't get over the Warriors when they presented Wiseman, basically pushing him as this is a guy who can help the Warriors right now. And it's like, you clearly have never dealt with centers before. You've never, you certainly never had a young one. This is a guy who can help now. 
He yeah, played three games got, in college. He played one real game in college. He could have beaten the other two teams by himself out there. I mean, he was that talented. <laughs> he played one real game in college against Oregon. Against Oregon. And, and let's and that's the other thing. Like, you know, it's not like he, you know, was at Oak Hill Academy or IMG or something. He wasn't at some powerhouse. He was at, you know, his local school in Nashville. I know he had good AAU games, but like he's an unquestioned talent. I'm very bullish on him. I don't want to, I don't want to crap on a 19 year old because he's not immediately great. No one should have expected him to be immediately great. The Warriors put way too much expectation on him. The Warriors put way too much responsibility on him. Um, He's not going to get where he needs to go if this continues to be the route. And the truth of the matter is I, I look around the NBA and, and this year has been a great reminder that you can't count anybody as sort of taken. You can't say, oh, this is what this guy is until they're 25 years old. Right. There's so much development that happens between when you come into the league and you're 25 years old. You see a guy like Tyrese Albert who played three years in college. Yeah, he's got a little bit of a head start. You see a guy like Eric Paschal who played four years in college. Yeah, he's got a little bit of a head start. I don't know how high their ceilings are, but at least they get in and they can do some stuff. And now you get in a situation like basketball where it's like, well, you can do some stuff. Can you do anything That's else? Awesome. No, and then we'll find out. Uh, so his usefulness might be washed up that way. You have a guy who's as raw as raw can be in Wiseman. And yet you're saying he can help now. It just doesn't, just doesn't work that way. And anyone who thinks that it does, doesn't pay attention to centers, doesn't understand how big men are developed in this league. And I, I just, I feel, I feel so bad for him. I feel so crappy for him because by the time he's 25, he might be an all-star, but you're hundred percent right. By the time he's 25 and he's capable of being an all-star. And by the way, there will be you know levels to that, right? Like right now you can barely play him right mm -hmm. outside of minutes where you really protect them. And then, you know, as the season progresses and it gets a little bit better, a little bit better. I think you, I think by the end of the season, you feel like, okay, I don't mind playing this kid. And then next year it's, Oh, there's some moments, you know, more than just a couple here and there. Like he give you a moment every game. And then, you know, maybe second half of next year, it's a couple of moments every game where you're like, wow, but there's still going to be the mistakes. And then you get into year three and you're kind of in that Deandre Ayton range. If things are working out for you, where it's like, man, you know, Aiton's not an all-star or anything, but he's a really solid center, and I like him. And he still makes some weird decisions here and there, but you know, uh, you 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 don't you can trust him out on the floor. That's year three. Year three, Stephen Curry is 36 years old, and that's just to get that's just to get James Wiseman, who, by the way, I think picks things up faster than Aiton has. Yeah, that's just to get him to a level of I can trust him to be on the floor, which is a requisite. You just have to have that to be able to play in the playoffs. So you're going to wait until Steph Curry's 36 for this guy to actually be useful for you? You talk about, you know, Draymond talks all the time about 82 game players and 16 game players. Well, the Warriors need both right now. They don't have enough of both right now. But James Wiseman isn't an 82, nor should he be, at, at, at 19 years old as a center. But by the time he's going to be a 16 game player, who's going to be the core of this team? Because it sure as hell ain't going to be Curry and definitely not going to be Draymond. And I don't think it's going to be Clay Thompson. And it, Listen, Andrew Wiggins has been good for this team this year, but he is not an alpha. He is not a beta. He is a gamma. He is yep. a third option at best. And you're saying it will be old man Steph, Coach Draymond Green, you know, Clay Thompson hanging out in the corner all game. Uh, I don't even know, Ray Allen style. And it, Andrew Wiggins, whomever they pick with this Minnesota pick, whether that's, you know, this year or next. And then you know, Wiseman, like, what are we doing here? This is not, that's not a core. You know, they want to be the Spurs. They want to build for 2027. They want to be consistently competent. Where the hell's your Kawhi Leonard? You know, you luck into Tim Duncan, 
Okay. Right. You tanked an entire season, by the way, to get Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan then immediately comes out and is, is a star. You know why? Because Tim Duncan went to Wake Forest for four years. It's a completely different era of basketball. The Spurs were consistently excellent because they did what other teams weren't doing, which was they were scouting the international game at a much higher level than everybody else. And they were willing to bring those guys over. And they handled that situation better than everybody else. They found Tony Parker. They found Manu Ginobili. That they had a market advantage. Everybody else wasn't playing the same game as them. And they, it worked out for them. So they have Duncan and that. And then as they start to fade, they find Kawhi Leonard. And they got lucky in getting Kawhi Leonard. And they developed Kawhi Leonard. He didn't have a jump shot that could you know, even be playable. And they developed his jump shot to be not just playable, but turn him into a finals MVP by the time he was 23, 24 years old. I don't see that with this Warriors coaching staff. I'd like to. I like them. But I, I don't see it. And so this notion of, oh, we're going to be consistently good forever. Uh, no, there's a lot more work that goes in than here is the talent. They might have been, they might have fooled themselves when they got Kevin Durant into thinking, oh, we have more talent than anybody else. It will just automatically happen. Yeah. No, sir. No, sir. Steve Kerr inherited, he inherited, you know, Draymond Green. He inherited Clay Thompson. He inherited Steph Curry. And again, he's a great coach. He made it all click. He took him the final mile. There's no doubt that his greatness, his greatness is unimpeachable to me uh, because it all clicked. He changed the entire sport with the way they played basketball, but he inherited those guys. He wasn't along for the run. Who was he developed? Who was the staff developed? Nobody. 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 And, uh, <laughs> Chris Boucher. <laughs> and then they let his ass go. Yeah. They haven't developed squat. They've been riding on Steph Curry's coattails, and now they're like, you know what? We're done with riding Steph Curry's coattails. We're going to go develop some guys. Good luck to you. That is a great – I saw what happened up the street at AT&T Park, man. That is a great way to suck for many, many years and waste great talents, greater talents than ever has existed over at the Giants side of things, one of the great talents in history of the NBA. It, it, makes, it makes me angry. It makes me angry. We talk so much in the NBA about saving guys from situations. If Steph wasn't this much of a professional – if Steph wasn't this, you know, loyal to the Warriors, we'd well, be right. talking about saving Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors right now. I really think we would, and I don't, I don't know if that conversation's long off. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, he's in, he's gonna be up for his extension soon enough. And who knows, he might decide that he's still in his prime. He might want to go take his talents elsewhere. But yep. you, know, you talk about all the front office indifference, incompetence. If we look back, I'm not even gonna go super far back but from 2015 the draft picks that they have selected and the people that were selected after them you oh, get an idea of what this team could have been with just even a few of those picks in 2015 they got Kevon Looney after him Montrez Harrell Josh Richardson and Norman Powell all got selected to be to be fair uh, Looney's been super injured I get it but Looney has been a, a an important part of many championship teams right right so I, I would rather have Looney than all of those guys knowing how effective he was in particular in those series against Houston. Right. And I'm not saying any of this to bash on Looney in any way, shape or form. I think he's been, like you said, a vital part of some of these championship teams. Um, my issue, and it's not really an issue because of course it's not his fault that he's been injured, but those injuries do pile up and they do affect the overall level of what he can provide for this team. Looney does a few things really, really well. And then he's also not a threat in a lot of other areas as well. So I think he's gone to a point where Looney is still pretty young. However, all of these 
injuries have piled up. And to me, it seems like he's a player that you can't keep on the floor for more than 15 to 20 minutes. I think he's a great backup center in the playoffs because he knows what to do. He's an incredibly smart player. The other guys that I mentioned, of course, they could have brought something different to the team. But I do agree that I do agree that the Kavon Looney pick was the right one. But then keep going because that that that's the last nice thing I'll say. <laughs> uh, and then 2016, you get Damian Jones, who's on a 10 day with the Lakers, mm-hmm. and then Patrick McCaw with the 30th mm-hmm. and 38th pick. Malcolm Brogdon was the 36th pick that year, who mm-hmm. was Rookie of the Year, now arguably the second best player on the Pacers. In 2017, they don't have any picks. 2018, they get Jacob Evans with the 28th pick. Yeah, Jaylen, go on that list. Yeah, Jalen Brunson with mm-hmm. the 33rd third pick. Devontae Graham, 34th. Mm-hmm. Mitchell Robinson, Gary mm-hmm. Trent Jr., Bruce mm-hmm. Brown, and even Shake mm-hmm. Milton all the way at 54th. Yep, yep. And even just in 2019, you get Jordan Poole and Pascal. And Keldon Johnson was right after Jordan Poole. Yeah. So we look at the yeah. list of these players, and if you have – a bench or some of these guys in your starting lineup, then you're looking at a team that can really, really compete. But it just well, goes to show. There's a fundamental misunderstanding. Those guys wouldn't have been developed under the Warriors either. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe. It, who, who's to say? It, it, they have not drafted well. Uh, that is unimpeachable. I, I went through and did the same exercise you just did. Um, I think the only team that rivals them for crappy drafting Kings. is the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> That is not good. Now, the Kings are on a different level entirely. Don't get me wrong. But um, the fact that that's even a conversation is incredible. Um, They don't develop. They don't draft. What do they have? They have their guys. And you know what? Credit to them. They were able to get Kevin Durant in. So it's like they're trying to build an organization that, that didn't exist. Right? They're trying to do it now. Just do it later. Don't do it while Steph is still around. You still have the golden goose. He's still laying golden eggs. Yeah. Make some omelets. Don't try to, you know, create another golden goose for down the line. You're never going to get another one. You got one, and he's got a lifespan. She does, I guess, in this case, because yeah. the goose laying eggs. Like, just, dude, just ridiculous. So in your, in your opinion, let's say you're part of the front office, and you were yeah. talking about making some calls you have some of the assets, you have all these contracts, all this money tied up in a lot of these players, which yeah. at times make them hard to move. Who in the trade market, in the buyout market, would you be willing to go after that you think might be be able to push Steph and Draymond in the right direction and help them out? Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal. I mean, it, 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 I don't know when the Warriors stopped shooting big, um, you know, before Giannis signed his Supermax extension, it was all about Giannis, 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 Giannis. Bradley Beal doesn't cost as much as Giannis, but apparently they were going to be able to get Giannis, right? And now it's like, now we don't need to worry about that. We don't need to add another star. They were cool with adding Giannis. I understand that Bradley Beal is not the most well-rounded player in the NBA, but that dude can get buckets. And I think he's an okay defender. And you're bringing, they go, well, you don't need a Bradley Beal when you got Clay Thompson. Who says that there's a mutual exclusivity there, man? Uh, maybe there's an issue with, you know, Beal and Curry in the same backcourt. 
You know, there's also an issue with Kyrie Irving and James Harden in the same backcourt. They're doing just fine. <laughs> I don't worry too much about them. Yeah, that's exactly right. So go and get go and get another superstar. Go and get one. Um, and I, I just – I know it's easier said than done. It is a million times easier said than done. But when did they stop shooting for the stars? When, when did the you – know, they leaked to anyone and everybody that they were going to go for Giannis to ever hit the market. And now – Giannis ain't there. They still got those same assets, but they don't seem to have the same zeal for, for going big. And um, I'm wondering what's up there. I, 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 I know I won't like the answer when I find it out, though. Yeah, uh, in terms of buyouts, the only guys that I kind of think would do some sort of good for the Warriors right now, maybe a Blake Griffin, which would be funny with his things going with Draymond Green. Uh, yeah. You have Trevor Ariza, Andre Drummond. George yeah. Hill, players like that. But like you said, unless you go for like a Bradley Beal, a Zach Levine, players like that, uh, no one really moves the needle, you know? No one really propels no you. One's to gonna, no one's going to make him a title contender except right. for another superstar. But a George Hill would actually be a really interesting concept on the basis of he would solve kind of two problems, I think. Um, one of their main issues is that their closing lineup doesn't have – a guy who can both defend and knock down threes next to Steph. Right. Um, and, and in particular, handle the ball, right? Like you get the ball to Draymond, great. Every, everybody's just going to go back towards the basket and dare Draymond to do anything anything you know else with the ball. Like that, that's, it, that's the thing. So you get the ball to Draymond, well, now it's a four-on-three, but is it really a four-on-three when he's double-teamed? Because it's Draymond. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got a bunch of guys standing in the corner who can't score off the dribble. And then the other guy you have is Wiggins, who doesn't want any part of that, you know, any part of that situation. So that's your issue. But if you have a guy like George Hill there, you can get the ball to George Hill. George Hill can knock down a a spot up three. He can dribble. He can pass. Um, You know, you can you can get a little two man game going with Draymond. I think you have a real four on three in that situation. Um, And then one step beyond that, he's just a massive upgrade to your second unit. So I think George Hill would actually be a really interesting name, one that I haven't explored that much other than just knowing that he would be a competent player and this team can use as many competent players as they can get the Blake Griffin thing would be a nice big name. Uh, obviously the Warriors wouldn't hurt to add somebody who can put the ball through the damn basket right. uh, other than Steph Curry, but I, I don't see it happening because why would Blake Griffin want to come play for uh, a team that's probably going to be in the play in tournament, unless he has a real weird fascination with the play in tournament. I'd just go to Brooklyn. Yeah. Get your ring elsewhere. Huh? Yeah. Uh, you, you also made a good point in your article where you said that most of these um, free agent buyout, they all go to markets such as LA, Miami, New York. Yeah. So obviously once Clay got injured, all that appeal to come to Golden State kind of went down the drain as well because you yeah. figure any of these other teams are going to be better than the Warriors this year. That's, yeah, and we saw that. We saw that in preseason, right, where um, offseason, which was also preseason, it was, uh, um, you know, Marcus was like, signed sealed and delivered for the warriors like he was re- he was ready to rumble he was coming here and then clay gets injured and he's like nah i'm good yeah <laughs> and i get it i can't blame the guy um listen there are there are three three spots and i mentioned them and you mentioned them uh, we're getting very meta here uh three spots you want to go you want to be in la that's the mecca of entertainment that's the spot you think about the places where nba players live in the off season there's three cities there's three cities where they live in the offseason, and it's really two, New York and Los Angeles. 
they're in the they, they got more money than God. They don't know what to do with it. You go to New York and Los Angeles. You live in a big house. You go and you can take meetings. You feel like you're you know uh, you know you got a bunch of different stuff going on. New York and Los Angeles. New York and Los Angeles. New York and Los Angeles. That's where the action still happens. And then there are other guys who are just like, no nah, man, I don't need to do any part of that action. So you know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in Miami. <laughs> but a different. It's a different kind of action. I live down there. Very different kind of action. Not action that a guy that looks like me can pull, but a uh, very <laughs> different kind of action. And uh, no state tax. It's beautiful. So beautiful. So good looking. Uh, it, it's just like one of these things where it's just like, that's a, if I was rich, I, I told people I was poor as hell when I was living in Miami. But I, I tell people, man, if I was rich and I could live anywhere, I'd live in South Florida, man. Like that, that's the place to do it. So there are some guys who are just about it. There's just some guys who are about it. And um, Golden State appealed, I think still does, but appealed to some people as like a destination, San Francisco. Oh, you know, I think a lot, I, I honestly, I think switching over to San Francisco has been more of a hindrance than a benefit so far for attracting players. I think people really liked playing in Oakland. Um, I think that they enjoyed living in the hills. Uh, I think that they enjoyed just the community vibe that there was around the Warriors. I mean, right. I, I, you still see how they kind of pine for going back to Oakland and uh, somebody who lives in the East Bay, somebody who's lived in Oakland for a long time. Um, it's one of these things where I get it. I get it 100 percent. San Francisco is an incredible city. I'm not knocking it in any way, shape or form, but they have not developed the soul in that building yet. And when you played at Oracle Arena, as I said at the beginning, like you knew something right. special was happening, man. You knew something special was happening, and that's when those teams were crap. So what happens when that team is good? So there's something appealing to that. And then you also have, you know, the tech stuff. And I know the tech stuff is getting spread out a lot. And, I, you know, just like the, the movie stuff is getting spread out from L.A. And just like, you know, the big media business is getting spread out from New York. But, like, it's still, it's still the spot. But... It, it doesn't, ha it's not as much the spot. Some of that stuff's going to LA, some of that stuff's going to New York, some of that stuff's going to Miami. So you can still get that stuff there. Also, you know, what, what are we doing now? We're zooming. Uh, you know, do I need to be in San Francisco to make some of these, you know, conversations happen? Andre Goudala would argue yes, because that's why he moved out here, right? Like that was his leap of faith. He wanted to be out here. He wanted to be a tech investor. He wanted to do those things, but not, there's not a lot of Andre Goudala's out there. There's a lot more guys who would rather have a music career, would rather be seen in a movie, would rather show up on TV from time to time again, rather be in some commercials. Like, and I don't blame them. That seems like fun too. Tech investing is hard work. That seems like a lot more easy. Just be, I also be myself and do a subway commercial. And so, um, you know, it, it, the Warriors don't have the natural pull. They're in a place like Dallas or Houston or something like that. You know, Philadelphia, kind of second tier markets. Atlanta, great places. Uh, anyone who goes there, you're like, why the hell do they go there? It's not like you're going to Detroit or something. No offense to Detroit or even my hometown of Chicago. It's like, what are you yeah. doing? Or Minnesota or Oklahoma City or anything like that. But like, you still need a little bit of an explanation because if you could go anywhere, you'd want to go to New York, LA or Miami, man. And, uh, and it, it, it's just one of these things where uh, if they're not if they're not clearly going to win, if they're not clearly going to be a top level team, they're not going to be able to fill out the back end of their bench with great with great players on cheap deals. Just not how it works anymore. Which is all the more reason that they need to develop somebody. Which is all the more reason that they need to start getting creative in how to build this roster. But again, I, I have not seen any creativity, and I have not seen any development from anybody on this staff, man. I mean, has Kevon Looney even gotten better over the last three or four years? No. no? Who, who's gotten better? I mean, Steph Curry gets better every year because Steph Curry has his own thing going on. Right. Everybody else is static. It's static. 
and uh, being static is not a good way to get better. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I agree with you 100%. It's been quite a roller coaster ride, to say the least, for the Warriors this season. They enter the All Star break, unfortunately, on a three game losing streak and an overall record of 19 and 18. They have managed to stay over 500 with one of the with one of the toughest strength of schedule in the league. There have been some high notes and some flashes of this team's potential in some games, but also many times where you can see the glaring gap between them and some of the NBA's elite teams. Based on what we've seen this far, do you expect them to continue playing the same way? Do you think they'll make any important moves? Do you see them getting out of the playing tournament into a much more comfortable seating? Overall, what are your expectations moving forward with this team? Well, there's a big difference between hope and expect, right? Right. Like, I would hope that they would do something like that. I would hope that they would make a move. I would hope that even with the guys that they have now that they make a push. I want more. I have no reason to expect more. I have no, you know, it's only hope. It's only want. Um, this team is middling them. Uh, they can give you a great performance every now and again. We've seen it a couple of times. But uh, most of the time, they're going to play with their level of competition, and they don't have the dogs to finish a game. Because once you double-team Steph Curry, guess what? The rest of that roster gets exposed real fast. And it's one thing when you're Portland and the same thing's happening to you, but you got Gary, Gary Trent Jr. and Carmelo Anthony out there. You, know, right. you mentioned it earlier. You know, Gary Trent was somebody the Warriors could have had. Gary Trent was a good player at Duke, man. Gary Trent was a prototypical 3-and-D guy. I'm not sure why he fell that low. I was very high on Gary Trent going into the draft. Maybe I should have been in the Warriors front office. But <laughs> And then there's Carmelo Anthony who's just sitting around, right? Carmelo Anthony, anyone could have had him for a really long period of time. And I understand where the Warriors were when Melo first signed with the Blazers. I get it. They wanted defense. Uh, they wanted, you know, which is not something Melo does. But, man, like, it just shows a lack of creativity, a lack of foresight. And basically, it goes back to what I, I wrote in my column, what I've been building up for. I mean, they're just taking Steph Curry for granted. Steph Curry will make them good enough to make the playoffs. Steph Curry will make them good enough to maybe make some waves in the playoffs. And then they'll look at it and say, well, that was a pretty good year without Clay." And I'm thinking to myself, what could it have been had you helped this guy out just a little bit? And so that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for, because I don't think it's ever going to be as good as it is right now when you're Stephen Curry. I think he's coming off of an 18-month break, and he's going to get an 18-week break going into next year. And I, I know you can see it with LeBron. So LeBron played the entirety of last season. He was, he was a crazed man, right? He was incredible last year. Right. And he's not as good this year. I know that the narrative is that he's the MVP, but he's not as good this year. He's taking plays off. He's making bad decisions. He's looking gassed. Um, he's still an incredible player. No one's knocking LeBron James. Anyone who does is a moron, but like he doesn't look the same, but going into last year, he had almost 300 days off, right? Cause they shut his ass down, uh, for basically the end of the season, uh, in that first year he was with the Lakers cause they weren't going to make the playoffs and they came up with some injury and he sat out the final third of the season, uh, for that Lakers team. And he came back and he was gunning and he was starting to get tired again, right around this time. Right. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? Everything shut down again. He got a bunch of rest and then he came out gunning again because he's 35, 36 years old. And he's played more miles than anybody else in the NBA. Like, of course, he's getting tired. Steph just had 18 months off. Yeah, there was some, you know, he played a game, yeah. but he had 18 months off. He's never getting that off again. 
He's never getting that off again. And uh, I just don't think it will ever be as good as this. So you maximize it now. Maximize it now, man. Get him some help now. It's not like that help won't be around, you know, next year. This is a team that went in and, and you know said, we don't have Clay Thompson. Let's go get a Kelly Oubre. Right. I got problems with Kelly Oubre, but Kelly Oubre has been playing great as of late. That was a team. That was some light years ahead nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. Why stop now? Clearly, that's not enough. Why stop now? Go out and help this guy. Go out and help this guy. So I'm hoping that's what will happen, but I don't have any expectation that's what will happen. What I expect is that the Warriors will continue to do this. They'll probably play a little bit better because, you know, Wiseman will get a little bit better. You know, Oubre will get back into the fold. You know, they'll, they'll, have a, they'll figure out some more stuff. Maybe Jordan Poole actually shows out and can turn into a rotational piece, something like that. Uh, they might add somebody kind of on the cheap, you know, you know, just see what happens. That guy probably won't pan out. They'll probably be four or five games over 500 by the time the season ends. They'll probably, you know, be in the play in tournament as either the top seed or the number six seed in the Western conference. And I bet that they make an interesting playoff series and maybe they even advance, um, but they're not going anywhere near the NBA finals. They're not getting past the semifinals. And again, I'm just wondering what could have been in a season that hasn't even happened yet in full, but what could have been if they just helped this dude out? Because I don't give a damn who they drafted that Minnesota pick, whether it's number four or number one, the year later, I don't give a damn who that guy is. If you're going through this Wiseman thing right now, you're thinking to yourself, is this worth it? Should we have traded that pick? And any person with any salt, you know, any any worth is like, yeah, you should have traded that pick. You should have gotten somebody who could help this team now. Not that Wiseman isn't a good player, not that he won't be a great player but you got to go and you got to maximize what you have now. I don't give a damn about 2027. Worry about 2027 in 2027. This league changes rapidly. James Harden got traded mid season. Go and go and do it. Go and do it. Because when Steph is gone, you don't want to, I don't want to be looking back and saying, man, what could have been? You got three raft. You got three banners in the rafters. I want five. I want six. I want seven. This is about stacking championships. And this guy is good enough to stack championships for the golden state warriors. And the fact that they're not giving them the opportunity to do it is, again, just ridiculous to me. I totally agree with you on that. Unfortunately for us, watching the games from afar, we will just have to wait and see if there are any sort of adjustments for this second half of the season. One thing I will say is that I hope Steve Kerr does make some changes in the way that he has the team playing. You mentioned Jordan Poole potentially being a rotation guy uh, moving forward. I remember last year, there was a stint of games where he was the primary ball handler. Obviously, the team was god-awful. They were terrible. But he was making good passes. He was showing flashes of a potential player he could be. I'm not saying Jordan Poole will help us win a championship. But I think there's something to be said about playing to this team's strengths. Before, we were used to players with incredible basketball IQ, like uh, Sean Livingston, Leandro Barbosa, obviously Andre Iguodala, and David West. Just players you could always rely on to make the right decisions. I feel like Kerr, for the most part, is trying to sort of imitate these teams but with not the right personnel to do it with. What do you think about that? Is there any changes you see coming in that way? I don't, I don't, I just don't care about Jordan Poole that much. It just doesn't matter. You know, like it, it, 
Steve Kerr has his system. I think that there's something to be said for uh, for that system. I think that, you know, he came into the season saying he wanted to be a top 10 defensive team. I rolled my eyes. I made jokes, but they're a top 10 defensive team. Now, it helps that about 30%. Oh, you know, no, that is a ridiculously low number. Uh, 25 out of the 30 teams in the NBA don't play a lick of defense whatsoever. So not very hard to get into the top 10 if you just, you know, try. But um, there's something to that. And that is something that will serve this team well because they can't score. And I, I, I tweeted this out yesterday, man. Like, I understand that the Warriors need more from James Wiseman, right? But what does it say about the Warriors that they need more from James Wiseman? Right. Like, he's 19 years old. I understand that it'd be great to have Jordan Poole be an impact player. But what does it say that the Warriors are like, man, I really hope Jordan Poole pans out. Like, what are we doing here? We're, 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 we're grasping at straws. I mean, this is all desperation. And again, a team that's light years ahead shouldn't be this desperate. And, oh, well, Steve Kerr's system is screwing up Jordan Poole. Man, Jordan Poole's screwing up Jordan I don't know if Steve Kerr's doing squad. It probably ain't helping. But, like, what are, we, what are we talking about here? Jordan Poole. Like, Jordan Poole's not a game changer. Jordan Poole, like, no one game plans for Jordan Poole. And they never will. It's fine. It's fine. He might even be a decent enough NBA player. He might be a rotation guy. But, like, that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about somebody who's going to help you win a championship in a real meaningful way. We're talking about a Nick Young who doesn't turn the ball over as much, who can actually dribble. Like, and oh, they're playing him off ball. Yeah, Steve doesn't like turning the ball over. This team has enough turnover problems. Have you seen, uh, have you seen how Jordan Poole handled I watch these G League games, man. Trust me. Trust me. He turns the ball over. So yeah. it's it's one of these things where, man, like, I, I can appreciate it. I, I, I love how engaged Warriors fans are on this. But, like, man, we're talking about Jordan Poole here. Like, what are we doing? We're talking about Brad Wanamaker here. These are problems. There's no doubt. Uh, some of them, you know, positive towards the players. Some of them, the players, the problem. These are, these are, you know, these are things that, you know, should be discussed. But we got bigger things to worry about. <laughs> yeah, much bigger things to worry about. Yeah, I, I totally see where you're coming from with this. To me, it just seems like they're going to stay in this same place not make any moves and unfortunately i feel like they're just going to try to make do with what they have which obviously isn't much right now but at this point i think i'd rather give the run to players like jordan Poole or nico mannion instead of brad wanamaker who basically the organization thought it would be a good move for them to bring him in based off based off of the solid minutes that he played with the Celtics last year. And of course, we've seen how that hasn't panned out all that well for us so far. Agree with you 100% on that, man. Like, you might as well get weird with it now because what, what we saw in the first half ain't working. So uh, get weird. Get weird. You can always go back to the stuff that wasn't working. <laughs> all right, man. Well, I think we've basically covered everything I wanted to discuss in this week's episode um, as an avid Warriors fan and someone that likes to talk about the dubs a whole lot. I I do hope they do something to try and help Steph out um, and just, you know, move the organization in the right direction and not, like you said, uh, take Steph for granted. Uh, this is a type of player that is a 
a once in a lifetime, once in a generation type player, and we may never see a player like Steph Curry again. No, it's uh, never happening again, man. It's never happening again, uh, and, and that sucks that we're on the downslope. But like, yeah, it, it ain't happening again. Well, before we get out of here, man, is there anything you would like to plug to any of the listeners uh, to take a look at on your end or stay tuned from you? It's appreciated. You can you know, just follow me on Twitter at Dieter. Uh, I'm around. I'm, I'm spouting uh, whatever I constitute as wisdom. Really appreciate you having me on, man. They'll really enjoy this. We should do it again soon. Absolutely, man. 100%. We will do this again. Uh, thank you so much for joining the show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and talk some hoop with me. Everyone make sure to follow Dieter on Twitter at Dieter and stay tuned for his latest columns and stories at the Mercury News and the Barrier News Group. As for us, that is all that we have today for all the hype. Please continue to listen, leave a rating, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Listen and follow on Spotify or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again, everyone. Take care and talk to you all soon.